this Paul Nobles again, this is hopefully going to just end up being a short pause. So we're not going to do reintroductions and things of this nature. And we're going to try and get through this, this second half um, in a way that basically allows um, us to get back to our Sundays. It's I, we're actually recording this on a Sunday. So I put out a poll on the Eat Before main page. And uh, one of the interesting things about the, the poll was that I was posing this question and everyone got it right, right? Um, most of the people, I think we, we had something like, you know, 6,000 votes or something in this nature. And the question I posed was, if you were trying to lose the most weight, what calorie number would you be best to start at with? Right now, I didn't put any parameters on that, but I did put parameters on this. The baseline that the person would be starting at would be 2,100 calories, right? So the person is eating 2,100 calories. What would be better, 1,800 or 1,200? And what was interesting is that the answers, so, and then you, in the comments, you had to explain your reasoning, right? So like a, like a good teacher, um, you had to show me your work. And there was a lot of great answers, but I'm gonna tell you that the best answers actually came from the 1200 people. Um, their reasoning was actually very well thought out. Um, and there was some cases for the 1200, right? Now the 1200 was wrong, right? It, it, the answer is 1800 and Susan and I will explain why, right? And the, the main emphasis is this concept called NEAT. And so that's what I'm going to have Susan go in depth with because NEAT never came up, right? 6,000 votes, uh, 700 answers, not one person mentioned neat, and I'm telling you, you'll want to know this neat little fact about non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? So Susan, why don't you give us kind of the, the overview of, of what that is since we're kind of short on time. So there are two things that allow for weight, well, one big thing that allows for weight loss. Uh, ultimately, it's caloric deficit. You have fewer calories available to burn than your body burns. And so you use part of your own calories that are stored. And the way people accomplish that is either increasing their calorie output, which is exercise, decreasing their calorie intake, which is through diet restriction. And the third is something that can be continuous over time, which is NEAT, the non-exercise uh, activity thermogenesis. And so we, um, actually burn quite a bit. And it's the activity all day long that you don't notice. So some people shake a leg and the whole table starts rocking. And some people, you know, like I stand at my desk. This is a standing desk. You see me. So as I rock back and forth like this, it's I'm burning a tiny bit of calories over time. Some people sit on a ball and they do this jump up and down. You may be, who knows what you may be doing. Um, but every movement that you make burns some amount of calories, a fraction of what you would be doing if you were doing some kind of organized exercise, but spread out over a whole day, it can add up to an average of maybe 
you know, 300 calories a day. Some people will be down at 150. Some people will be up at 800 calories. It's sort of astounding how high it can go. The lower your calorie intake below your calorie need, the less of this sort of fidgeting activity that we do. A good way to talk about it is fidgeting. And so the less of that we do. So not only are you, you know, you're, so you're, you've lost a, a constant caloric burn that your body is used to having by reducing your calorie intake too low. And it's why we see, it's one of the explanations why we see people lose more weight on a calorie deficit of 300 to 400 calories than we do on a caloric deficit of 500 or more. Because the, this sort of fidgeting activity is, a, is one thing that goes away very quickly. And so you're shooting yourself in the foot by doing that. You may decrease 200 calories in food, which is a significant amount of food when you're looking at the margins, and you've are, you're stopping burning 200 calories of fidgeting that you didn't even know you were doing all day. I love the fidgeting thing because I think everybody gets that. But there's another part. It's the getting up and down, right? The, the natural want to get out right. of a chair, the natural right. want to get off of a couch. Right. You know, it is just that much more difficult. So one thing I did not mention is that you could tear down, right? That, that the calories could go lower, right? But the, the idea was where you would start from. So I, I, I should have mentioned that, that early on, that um, you know, one of the responses that people made was that you um, would have less options. And that is 100% true, right? Um, but, People often said 1,200, you had no options. And sadly, that is not true. We do know that people eat less than that, even though we know that the long-term effects, especially, especially when you do it for a really long time, are really bad as it relates to thyroid health and, and metabolism and things of this nature. That was the other part that it seemed like everybody got right, but they didn't know why they got it right. And so the next part we're going to talk about here is metabolism because people overthink metabolism. The one thing that I just want to let everyone know, you didn't naturally get a good one or you didn't naturally get a bad one, right? You have a high degree of effect. Susan's phone's going off. Um, no problem. Um, you have a high degree of control over your metabolism. And one of the biggest things that you control is how much you eat. And so many people got that right. So many people, I guarantee you, who answered the 1800 right, don't often eat 1800, right? And don't strategically add more food, right? As a way of increasing your um your metabolism, but also increasing your work capacity, your muscle, things of this nature, right? So when you are exercising, underfed for years, right? Not only are you operating at 60%, right? You can't possibly be operating at 100% underfed, 
but you're naturally missing the whole point of exercise. The whole point of exercise is to get better at exercise. And the way that you do that is with available energy and with more muscle, right? And it really kind of gets back to kind of the initial part that we were talking about, right? Um, that when you aren't holding on to muscle and you're trying to live this long and fruitful life, you know, certainly there's value in weighing less. And I'm not saying that, but when you get to be 65, 70, 75, 80, and you're still dieting extremely, it becomes a longevity of life issue at that point. You are not giving your body the energy that it needs, right? And the basic concept of why you would want more and not less, right, is simply the point that, that, that you want to make sure that you have available energy for the things that you want to do, for the muscle that you want to build, and the muscle that you want to hold on to. You know, don't buy insure, right? Um, the thing that's supposedly going to save all your muscle as you age or drink protein drinks and then not then, you know, keep, then keep calories low so that you can't then build muscle, right? The most anabolic thing in your body is insulin. It's helpful to insulin to have more calories. More calories are going to allow you to hold on to muscle and allow you to exercise better. So the one last thing before I let Susan go off on metabolism is that the thing that brought this up was someone that we actually brought fairly low, right? We tiered them down and we tiered her up. And what was interesting is that the 2100 number that I gave you isn't what she eats now. Now she eats 2700 calories, right? Because as we teared her down and got her to the weight that she wanted to and ended up losing 40 pounds, right? What went better? And oh, by the way, she didn't lose all 40 under eating. There was a lot of weight that she lost eating many more calories than most people would think or they would be capable of doing, right? Um, and I would say there's really of the 40, there was only really about 20 where calories were restricted. Most of the weight loss actually happened as calories were coming back and got higher. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I, I, I think that most people get caught up in concepts of what maintenance calories are and things of this nature. And you hear people go, well, my maintenance calories are 1500. You have no idea what your maintenance calories are. You are intentionally sabotaging everything that you want to be, right? And oh, by the way, if you give your body, it's the whole Henry Ford quote, right? Like whether you think you can or can't, you're right. If you think that your calories are 1500, whether you think so or not, you're right, right? And so what ends up happening is, is many times people will gain weight because they hold their calories too low, their metabolism adjusts to that, right? And so ultimately you find homeostasis at 1500 calories. And then when you eat 1700 calories, sort of gradually over time, you will gain weight because now you've compromised your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, you're compromised your metabolism, you've compromised what you can do and you've compromised the muscle that you can hold on to. So 
I took all the good parts. What did I miss? So, you know, to, to give it a, you know, just the tiniest bit more sort of sciency or biology clarity, we have this concept of energy availability. Energy availability are the calories left over from what you've consumed after you exercise. Because different than most people think, and the way we did think up until about a decade ago, we thought that when you ate, your body first took care of your health needs, your foundational metabolic needs, reproductive system, bone mineral metabolism, digestive system, cardiovascular system, respiratory, nervous system, all the, the things and tissues and projects in the body going on, those got fueled first. And then whatever was left over went to your exercise activity. And so you would fatigue very early. You could never be an elite athlete if you were under fueling. And we were always really confused, particularly about the female athlete. And this is where the mother load of the research is in female athletes. But it now we understand applies to everybody. You don't have to be an athlete in that female athletes forever seemed to eat so few calories and yet could be world-class athletes. How did they do their exercise on so few calories based on this theory that we had that it was your leftover calories that went to fueling your exercise? What we ultimately discovered was number one, that all, almost all of these athletes that did underfuel you know, the elite distance athletes, runners, cyclists in particular, anybody who really had to keep a very small frame, their athletic careers often were cut short. They would become injured or ill, something would happen, and their careers would end long before their male counterparts, who were not restricting in those days. <laughs> Today, everybody's doing it. Well, so what we discovered, in fact, was that it's the opposite goes on in your body, that you actually fuel the, the metabolic demand that is the highest first. So imagine you are you know, living 10,000 years ago and most of your day is sort of average activity, but then you, know, you get chased by a bear. Well, that activity needs to be fueled first the most intense activity. And so today our bodies still reflect that, that the, the, the activity of highest demand gets fueled first, and then everything that's left over is what's available, the energy available to your foundational health systems in your body. And so if you only have 50% of what you need to, to, to have a full tank, to fuel all your systems optimally, you've only got 50% gas, well then everything has to power down because you've got to have enough for that high energy need. And so you power everything down and now your reproductive system is working at half, half mass, right? Your, your, your lungs, your heart, your nervous system, your tissue repair, certainly muscle, you know, will, will melt away. Anything that takes calories to fuel has fewer to, to burn. And so metabolically, you are never at the highest demand because everything has powered down. 
but then by the time you're through that and you say, okay, well, you know, I'm sick of this low calorie diet, I'm going to start eating more. Well, you've lost a bunch of muscle. That was your metabolically active tissue. So yes, now you, you don't need that many calories, but it also, your system has powered down. It takes it some time before things will power back up again, but you will never reach your optimal level unless you start to exercise again and fully fuel yourself again. And so that's the, this concept of what we talk about is energy availability. And we have numbers now that we go by for female athletes. We're doing research on male athletes now to determine what's appropriate for them. I don't think, I mean, we don't have sort of general population numbers to go by because these are all determined on highly active people. Um, so, so Paul's numbers from Eat to Perform reflect the active population of general average exercisers who are successfully maintaining their metabolic rate and living a life that's whole and healthy and sustain weight loss and, and maintenance over time. Yeah, I would say that we have more data than just about anyone else for general population, but also, you know, what we've done, this was never what I dreamt up when I first started blogging about this, right? I never thought all these women would show up. Um, but if I thought about it for two seconds, you know, anything related to fat loss, a lot of women were going to show up. But what we know for a fact, right, is that certainly as you tear calories down and weight gets lower. So what happens for a lot of people, I'm just going to use a number that I think is a fair number. Most people would like to eat around 1,400 to 1,500 calories a day because it's kind of comfortable. It's not mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And it allows them to kind of exercise, right? They're not maybe performing at their best, but they're doing okay. Um, the argument that I make to someone that thinks that they want to get to 140 is that they're better off aiming for 135. And the reason why is not because when you eat food, you gain weight, right? There's this narrative out there that when I eat food, I gain weight. Trust me, you have no idea what your body naturally wants. We are on the forefront of pushing people to calories that they never dreamed that they could have. But what that means is we push them to metabolisms that they never dreamed that they could have, to activity that they never dreamed that they could have, to longevity that they never dreamed that they could have. And so, yes, you know, where some of the 1,200 people were right is there was one thing that was a constant narrative with the 1,800 people that, that they would move from 1,800 to 1,750 to 1,700 to 1,650. And then what they would do is they would get to 1,400, then they would go to 1,450, and then we'd go. But I can tell you 1,000% that we have very clear data on this, right? That does not work. You're, it gets lost in neat. It gets lost in all these different things. You have to bite it off in bigger chunks, right? right? If you go 
too low. Let's say that you go ridiculously low in in the neighborhood of a thousand calories and you stay at a thousand calories for six months. The amount of havoc that you can create on your body in that instance. Now that isn't to say that, you know, one or two days out of the week, if you found yourself there, right. you haven't you haven't destroyed yeah. your body. No, right. No. And that that's certainly something within the realm of, of what you might see, even with an eat to perform plan. But what people really don't get, and they'll say, well, you know, if you're ultimately just going to bring people to really low calories, how is that eat to perform? Because we're doing that with the reasoning that we're going to bring you back to normal, right? And so what happens is, is that the people that ultimately wanted to eat roughly 1500, 1600 calories and thought that that was their maintenance, right? And we actually talked them into a little bit lower, a little bit longer. It's more favorable metabolically for them to stay at 140 forever. If you get to kind of that middle place, we kind of call it middle land, right? Where everybody kind of wants to be in middle land where they're comfortable. You're going to have to be a little bit uncomfortable, but that's going to allow you to be comfortable forever. And then lastly, I brought up one other concept and then we're going to, I'll let Susan give the final word. In my next poll, I brought out the concept of would you prefer to eat rigid and restrictive, but stay relatively the same weight? Or would you rather eat flexibly and then maybe have to manage your weight every two years or so? And once again, everyone says the right thing. They know it. They know that the flexible is the answer. But that's not what they do. What they do, what the majority of people do, is they undereat. Well, maybe not during COVID, but, but they undereat Monday through Friday. And then things go off the rails Friday night to Sunday. And then you just get this Groundhog Day kind of thing going. And then all these people telling me, well, I don't want to track my food because it's really inconvenient. I was like, well, what if those specifics made a genuine difference in your life and taught you something you could never dream to know about yourself, mm -hmm. right? And so that, that's the argument there. So be as short as you can. I know you have to go, but, but I'll give you the last word. Well, I think the concept that I love is training for life, right? So, so that's what you're talking about. That's where we started. But this is that, yes, there are people who use their bodies as their financial vessels and they are elite athletes and they have huge goals physically and it keeps them going financially. It's how they put a roof over their heads and food on the table. Other people who um, enjoy the, the game, right? And they're recreational athletes but but the recreational part is so important it's the fun it's the challenge it's it and and so and if you're just someone who says you know i'm never going to love this but i know it's going to keep me alive I'll embrace that and find something that that you can at least like and not love um, because it is going to keep you alive <laughs> because that's the that's the game the game is staying healthy 
enough to enjoy your life, to be able to do the things that you're not thinking about now as a younger person that you're going to wish you had thought about when you get older. Because we know that people lose their independence by losing their muscle mass and not being able to conduct the activities of daily living, like putting their groceries away up on the shelf, carrying their grocery bags in, walking up steps, doing the things that you take for granted now. And if you already feel that those are hard and you're in your 40s, let me tell you, that is a firecracker going off in your head. You better figure out that 20 years from now, you're going to be stuck in a chair. You're never going to be able to do anything. And that is horrible. Because I can tell you, I know, I'm going to tell you, I'm 62 years old. And I'm here to say that the only reason I can still climb mountains and ski and do all the things that I want to do, go for hikes, enjoy myself, and work a hard day and sleep good at night is because I'm physically active. Yes, my diet. I, they're, they're married to each other. It's my activity and it's my diet. And I wouldn't be able to be standing here talking to you and keep my brain working as well as it does, does if I didn't do both. So, you know, the, the earlier the old lady. <laughs> yeah, the earlier you can do it, think of it like this, you are working downhill, right? The rest of your life, you are working downhill, you are increasing your metabolism and things of this nature. So it ended up being a great discussion. I appreciate you being here, taking time out on a Sunday to do this. And uh, I, I appreciate everybody listening and I hope you enjoyed these because we it's not that we didn't want to do them. We just didn't, you know, there was too many reasons to not. So I appreciate everybody here. Thank you, Susan. And we'll talk to everyone later. Bye. Thank you, Paul. Stay well. <laughs>